the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 112 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where we have over 2,400 members talking about baseball every single day of the week and year. If you want to talk baseball on Christmas, you can go on to Baseball365 and you can talk baseball and someone will be in there to respond. I can guarantee it. Uh, The best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes. Uh, If you go in there and leave us a five-star rating, write a nice review for us. It's just a good way to help us get our name out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On tonight's episode, Andrew and I are going to finish up with the pitcher position previews. And actually, this is the final position preview for the the offseason. We're going to cover all the relief pitchers. Which closers are we confident in? Which setup men do we think have a decent shot at grabbing the job? We will answer these questions and more. All right, let's get Andrew on. And Andrew, you've been playing fantasy baseball for a while, like myself. Name one player from the past that you think fondly of because you had them in a breakout season. Um, I'm going to give you two. And uh, when I think of in the past, I always think of my home keeper league because it ran for about 14 years. Yep. So both of these guys, I had multiple seasons and they delivered me a few good years. And that would be Matt Kemp was Mm. the first one I thought of. And Johan Santana. Those two. They were, uh, I remember the year I kept Johan. It had to be 03, 04, like going into really his prime. But I was between him and I want to say Barry Zito or somebody that was like more obvious to keep at the, in that moment. And I kept Johan and it was the right decision like by a mile. It was just right when uh, I think it was Zito fell off a little bit. So, um, yeah, that was good. And then. Kind of nailed uh, nailed Kemp's breakout, too, and had nice. him for that run where he almost had the 40-40 season and all that. So, yeah, those are the first two that – I mean, there's plenty of them, but, yeah, those are the first two I thought of. Mine's Hanley Ramirez. Uh, that 2006 season where he came up as a rookie and had that breakout, I picked him out, picked him up in my shallow home league where you really only kept one guy every year. And you couldn't keep the same guy two years in a row. They had to get thrown back in the player pool. And I mentioned earlier this offseason the trade where I traded Jose Reyes away for Nick Johnson, which is a lovely part of my memory. But part of the reason I did that was because I picked up Hanley and he was having this breakout. I mean, in 2006, he had 17 home runs and 51 steals, 119 runs scored. And I kept him that offseason and then the next year, he was an MVP candidate with 29 home runs and 51 steals. I mean, that's... Yeah, I remember that. That was huge. Yeah, that's Mike Trout rookie numbers right there with the 29 and 51. That's not far off of what Trout did that rookie year. Yeah. So, 
Hanley's one I've always had a soft spot for. I mean, he turned into kind of a douche noozle on the field a couple years later, but I always think fondly of him for the, the those first year or two there. Yeah, total stud. All right, let's talk about relievers. Um, Andrew, how are you attacking closers now that we are just a few weeks left in the season, a few weeks worth of drafts here? Are you – is it any different than – basically how you were attacking it earlier in the off season? Well, a little bit. I mean, I, I, early in the off season, you know, when you're drafting, it's, you're guessing on a lot of them. I always kind of felt like when you draft in say November, December, the really elite ones should go a little bit higher. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way, but I just feel like they should because there's a lot less of them that you can be certain are closing. And then as you move on and get closer, like kind of to where we're at now, you're a little more certain about a lot more of them. And I just feel like the top guys should maybe go a little later than they do early on. Um, That's just kind of my thought on it. It doesn't always work out that way. I'm in a draft right now where Liam Hendricks went in round three. So it's, (laughs) you know, it's not always going to happen that way, but that's kind of my thought on it. As far as how I attack it, um, I always am targeting a role this pretty much willing to take him in like round five. Um, I'd like to get him in round six. I think that's where I took him in one of the leagues that I drafted him, but um, he's pretty much been going in round five in every draft that I've seen. So, um, but for the most part, I'm kind of just taking what comes to me at this position. You know, every draft with relievers is a little bit different. I think I feel like they all kind of have their own personalities. I mean, I've seen somewhere they just fly off the board. And like I said, the one that I'm in now where Liam went in round three, uh, they went pretty early, like as a whole. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to punt it and just see what happens. And I'm going to take, obviously I'm going to take more flyers late as a result of that. It's a 50 round draft and hold. Um, and if I had guys I felt really good about, I wouldn't necessarily take as many flyers. So it just kind of depends. I I kind of just feel out the room a little bit with it and um, kind of take what comes to me, try not to reach too much. But, um, yeah, it's really, it's really kind of what it is for me. My most recent draft and hold, I was floored with how quickly the closes were going off the board. I'm usually pretty – this whole offseason I've been pretty aggressive to try to get at least one. Like you, I really like Aroldis Chapman, but there are others up there that I really like also and trying to get one of them, but they all got pushed up so high that I just I missed out on them. And I still ended up taking two guys in the mid-rounds that were probably 50 spots ahead of their typical ADP. And these weren't guys that are moving up right now. It's just a guy I had to do that to get closers because they were all getting pushed up. It's not a position I feel comfortable going into a season not having two established closers just because, you man, you got to hit on somebody if so. And like you said, if you grab a bunt enough of them, you, odds are pretty good. But, man, it's a risky game there. Yeah, in a fab league, it's a little different. Uh, yes. Because there's going to be, uh, I would say – a third to a half of the closers are going to lose their job over the course of the season due to due to injury or performance or, you know, multitude of reasons. But 
Um, so in a fab league, it's a little different. If you go cheap or don't hit on guys, you can use your fab on that. I mean, you're going to be doing that. Sometimes you're just going to be blowing it, wasting it because they're not going to be very good. Um, so that's kind of tough. You kind of have to decide how important that is to you. Um, yeah, it kind of depends on the league. I mean, I do like getting one that I feel good about, but generally speaking, I'm not going to get ridiculously aggressive on it. And if the room is, then I'm probably just going to be targeting the guys that go a little bit later. All right. Well, let's look into the top 10 from last year. I've got the list here and Josh Hader was the number one reliever last year at pick number 63 overall. Behind him was Kirby Yates at number two amongst relievers. Aroldis Chapman, number three. Roberto Asuna at number four. Liam Hendricks at five. Brad Hand at six. Taylor Rogers at seven. Uh, Edwin Diaz at eight. Kenley Jansen is number nine. And Ken Giles is number ten. So, Andrew, I always like ask this. What's your reaction to this list? It's kind of messy, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. It's it's okay. I mean, there's obviously good ones, but some rough ones there too. So, it's a I mean, it's a volatile position. You're kind of always going to be dealing with that. But that said, you got to have saves. I mean, it's hard to. I don't believe in punting categories. So, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely volatile, and it kind of shows here looking at the top ten. Why don't you believe in punting categories? Just real quickly. Well, I just I feel like if you completely punt or like give up a category, then you're obviously just decreasing your maximum output of points. You know, obviously if it's a roto league, I mean, there's all kinds of different leagues, and maybe in like a head-to-head league or head-to-head categories league, you could get away with it if the rest of your team is really strong, but. Um, if you're just going into it saying I don't care about saves or I don't care about steals and you just completely blow it off and are willing to take a one or a two in it, then, you know, you're high end. I mean, you're not going to win any overall. So anything with an overall, you're done. And even in a regular league, I just feel like it's really tough. I mean, you have to do extremely well in the other nine categories. So I just don't really like doing it. Go- At least not going in. I mean, you can. You're obviously going to have spots on your team that are where you have to go cheap, but um, yeah, completely punting. I just, I just don't think it's a viable strategy. Yeah, you can go cheap on a position. There's some where you're going to have to go cheap on a position. Yeah, that, but that's a big difference than cheating or going cheap on a category because it, you're just put it like you said, putting so much pressure on the other nine categories whenever you do that. All right. Um, Let's get into these first two relievers, uh, two guys going back-to-back pretty much. Uh, Josh Hader right at 59 overall and Liam Hendricks at 61. Who do you prefer of those two? Uh, One thing I just want to say real quick, um, I prefer Hendricks, but real quick, I just want to say when we go through these, these ADPs are for the entire offseason. Is that correct? Correct. On NFBC? So some of them, especially like with the later ones, they're drastically different now Yes, because, and I know one guy specifically, I'll say it when we get to him, um, their ADP, it's just, it's kind of irrelevant because it's still catching up. 
because they signed a little bit later and stuff like that. So just things to keep in mind. Uh, to answer the question, I like Hendricks more, uh, mostly due to, you know, I would probably say that uh, Hader is the better pitcher, but I would definitely say that Hendricks is more likely to get saves all year. And I think that that is just the difference for me. Um, I love Josh Hader. He's one of my – he's Josh Hader to me is one of those guys when he's pitching, I go to that game like every time. I love watching him pitch. I think he's great. Um, But at 58 in a redraft league, I'm just not that interested personally. Uh, And I think a lot of it is to do with – I think you're – always going to be vulnerable to them going back to putting him in the high leverage spots in the seventh or eighth. He's going to get saves. I mean, just by default, because sometimes the high leverage spot is going to be the ninth and Mm -hmm. he's going to get those saves and other ones too, you know, so he'll get saves. Um, He did have some bouts with control last year. I mean, his walks per nine went up. There was, I remember one specific start where I think he came in and walked five straight guys and they had to pull him. It was just, you know, a little rougher than it than it's been in the past. I'm not too worried about it. I mean, I don't like think too hard about that. He's still great and tons of strikeouts, all of that stuff. But when you add in the even if it's a slight risk that he's not getting all the saves for where you have to draft him, I just don't love it. I mean, it has nothing to do with how much I like watching him or how good he is. It's just kind of one of those things for me. I feel like if you're taking a reliever this high, you have to be sure they're getting the saves. And I think he probably is, but I'm not 100% sold on it. Yeah. I, you can close your eyes and see them turning to Devin Williams and making him their closer. It's not that we're saying we think it's going to happen. It's just that's there. And on top of that, we'll, we'll talk about Williams and we'll get to him later, but his ADP is high enough to where you don't want to take both. I I personally would not want to take both just to lock it down there. I mean, you're getting some real good ratios if you do it, but I just wouldn't want to take both of those guys and just to lock that down. I would not feel comfortable with it personally. What are your thoughts about that possibility of taking both? I mean, I haven't I haven't done it. I I actually did see somebody do it. Um, I think you can probably pull it off if you have a uh, a reliever that you like late that you're pretty certain is getting saves, and then you'll have two closers, and you'll have one likely elite one with mm-hmm. the Brewers guy. But um, probably not something I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next two. We have Aroldis Chapman at 75 and Edwin Diaz at 80. Um, I st- go, We've already mentioned that you love Aroldis. Is he your top guy? number one overall amongst relievers um, that is that's a good question i he's close with with uh hendrix i mean it's there's i don't think i've been in one draft where he's gone ahead of hendrix so i haven't even had to you know i haven't even been put in that spot but possibly yeah my i mean my biggest thing with aroldis is you know i feel like a broken record every year but I feel like of all the relievers in baseball, you know, like hypothetically, and this obviously isn't going to happen, but if they were all on the same team, he would pitch the ninth. I, I just feel the most confident 
in him in like an early draft that he's going to get saves. And even now, you know, that he's going to get saves. I just, I would be shocked if we go through the year and he's not the closer at some point, other than an injury or something. I just, he's done it his whole career. He's been awesome his whole career. It's, it's staggering to pull up his page and look at his seasons. I mean, his worst ERA, he came into the league in 2010, barely pitched, so it was really 2011, but his worst ERA in basically a decade is 360, and that was that 2011 season. And uh, 2017, 322, I mean, he's always had between 12 and 17 Ks per nine. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing else left to say. I mean, I, I'm i confident in the role. I'm confident in the pitcher. You know, it, it can always fall apart with a guy when you're looking at such small samples. I mean, with, with every reliever, you're looking at small samples for the most part. But he's done it over the course of so many seasons. Obviously, the Yankees are a good team, so he should have a lot of opportunities. And I'm just not worried about him losing the job or – having bad performance because neither one of those has really happened. He did have one stretch in, I want to say it was, I don't know which season that was 2017 or 2018 where there might've, there was a brief period I think where he lost it, but then they got him right back in there and he was rolled as Chapman. So yeah, I'm always looking at him. I think he's a great anchor for um, your relievers. And once you get him, I, I just feel like you can wait and wait and wait and, feel good about uh, your closers, no matter who you get as your second and third. Yep. With me personally, he's 1-1A one one basically with Hendricks. I'm with you on the safety and reliability of that guy. Just keep putting him up there until he gives you a reason not to be there, and he's not given a reason yet. Yeah. Just five picks later is Edwin Diaz, and he's someone I'm personally staying away from at this price. You know, I, I do believe that he definitely – I believe the upside's there to be the top closer in fantasy baseball. But, man, he's been very up and down, and the Mets are really trying to contend this year, and they've added more pieces to their pin this offseason. I personally think they'd be less patient with him if the woes from 2019 resurface. I mean, it fell apart for him that year. And last year, the ERA was much better, but, I mean, and again, we're talking small sample, but he was still walking close to five per nine. To where I'm not ready to say he's out of the woods yet from two years ago. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, he's always kind of been my guy. Uh, I I remember following him in the minors, and I had him in dynasty leagues when he was in Double A. And uh, to watch his rise was something else. I mean, he'll always I'll always have a soft spot for him. This year in redraft, I'm with you. Um, it makes me nervous, and I think it's because I've been through the whole ride with him. I mean i mm-hmm. I know what I know what the great Edwin Diaz looks like, and I know what uh, the the bad Edwin Diaz looks like. And he's been mostly good in his career, and I think he's probably okay. But um, in this spot, it makes me a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's there's enough volatility there that. You can see it going sideways. Like you said, the Mets are competing. You never know. Like it, 
if they're going to be willing to put up with a rough stretch and how they'll handle it. And yeah, it just, it feels like there should probably be uh, a little bit more of a discount, but he was good last year. So that's probably playing into it too. And he's been elite, you know, best closer in baseball a few years ago. So yeah, yeah it's, it's a tough spot. I mean, at 80 overall, there's just, it's, it's tough. And I think they've got other guys they can go to. They've got Trevor May, who they brought in. They still have Batances and Familia, who really haven't been consistent the last few years. But the, And then uh, Seth Lugo, I think he's injured right now. I can't remember how what his situation. Oh, he had February elbow surgery. So he's probably not going to be around for a little while. But, um, yeah, I just I could see them if he turns out back into walking everybody i just can see the situation where he's not their closer yeah and, it, and it's a he's kind of another example too what i was saying with the samples being so small with relievers like if you just catch the bad end of it for a week or two early in the year they could you know give him a rest throw him on the il get his mind right whatever i mean it's uh, it's just a little nerve wracking, I think, to draft him, draft him here. I've talked about how I've I owned Trevor Rosenthal a lot early in his career, and I guess I shouldn't say early in his career because I still have lots of shares. But I always believed in buying Rosenthal when his price was cheap and selling when his price was high, and I kind of feel similarly with Edwin Diaz, and I think it's that way with these wild guys, who I can see I see their control just go up and down like Edmonds has been and like Rosenthal's has been throughout his career. And I like buying whenever the price is cheaper as compared to if they're a top top tier closer, I just, I'm not ready to do that. All right. Um, let's go into five and six on relievers. We got Rizel Iglesias with the angels at 92 and James Karinchak at one Oh three here. I want to start off with Iglesias and keeping the theme going i'm scared to death of him at this price and it really isn't on him i think he's a pretty good closer but he's a closer on a joe madden coach team and madden's near probably the top of the list of coaches that impact my view on closers in tampa if i recall they had like a five or six year stretch where they had a new saves leader every single year and he moved around a lot with relievers with the cubs also so personally, I'm out on Iglesias at this price. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm, I don't really think I'm in or out here. It's just kind of appropriate to me, I guess. I don't. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it is I don't. I'm not convinced in any of the Angels' other options. Yes, and I, I and I think that because they brought him in, his leash is probably longer than you would expect from a Joe Madden coach team. I guess that's the best way I could put it. I'm not too worried about his his leash there. I'm not saying I love the price. I'm just kind of like whatever with it. I don't think I have any shares. Pretty sure I don't. So yeah, I, it's like one of those when I see him go, I'm just kind of like. Yeah, that's about right, but not a pick that I've really been making. So I just looked through their minor leaguers. Like, who, which, who's going to come out of nowhere and lead this team in saves this year? Because that's the way it works with Tampa. It's just like some, or I should say, with Madden, it's been out of the blue with a few guys, and 
The name I settled on whenever I scrolled through was Kevin Maiton. I think Kevin Maiton's going to lead the Angels in saves this year. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, James Karinchak, he's never had the role, but he's one of the top strikeout pitchers per nine in baseball last year. That said, his walk rate was incredibly high also. Could you personally invest a seventh, eighth round pick in Karinchak in drafts? No. I am totally out on Karinchak this year. I I think he's an electric pitcher. I think he's really good. I mean, his you know, it's uh the walks concern me a little bit, but just as much as that, or mo- actually more than that, is Cleveland. I, I just don't think, you know, they're one of those teams, they're cheap. I feel like that they're going to try and keep his price down, or or I shouldn't say that, potentially this stuff can happen. Keep his price down, have him the fireman, you know, kind of like we were talking about with Hayter. Mm-hmm. And... um I'm just not certain on the saves, not certain enough to draft him here. Um, could it work out? Yeah. I mean, if you know it, the top end outcome is he's the best closer in the game. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it, he could do it, but um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. I, I just think it's too risky. I don't like him. I mean, there's guys going below him pretty shortly here. I, I would rather have, and I've, I've actually seen him slipping a little bit lately, more so than I was early in the offseason. I think people are starting to kind of get on board with how I've felt about it the whole offseason. But, um, yeah, just a lot of volatility with uh, with taking him here, I feel like. Early in the offseason, I was more in on him. Like you just said, people are um, maybe backing off. I'm definitely one that did. Uh, I think in the very first draft and hold, I took him in the eighth round. But the more I've thought about it, I mean, everything I mentioned about my fears about Edwin Diaz 20 picks earlier, I mean, Karinchek has never even had the role also. So he has no leash. I should say he do- he won't have the – he doesn't have the built-in trust of, an, of a manager. And he's got all the wild bouts too with a lot of uh, – with, you know, high strikeouts with a lot of walks, but without the, you know – track record to where yeah i've definitely backed off on him in terms of where i was okay next three we got three relievers going between picks 119 and 130 here and that would be ryan presley at 119 brad hand at 123 and kinley jansen at 130 who of this list are you comfortable taking at their price um i definitely I like Kenley um, the most of these three. Uh, I think, you know, Hand Hand is kind of a guy that's moving up some because some of that ADP was factored when he wasn't uh, when he wasn't signed. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he is in the last – trying to pull up his last month. Yeah, he's at 106, actually since March 1st. So it's about 20 drafts, um, 106. So a little higher than this. Um yeah, Hand and Kenley, I think, are both both fine. Um, I think some of the concerns with Kenley that a lot of people have are completely overstated. I mean, you look at all – go to his baseball savant page, and, I mean, there's really – it's just not a lot to be concerned about. I mean, he's still missing bats, still getting 
swinging strikes and all that stuff. So I, I'm personally like he, he's the closer for the Dodgers. I feel like there's a good bit of leash with him too, and I'm just not really nervous about it. I obviously, like you said, any anything can happen in a small sample with these relievers. And if you hit the bad side of it, I mean, I guess it could get ugly, but I just it's kind of one of those things for me. It's a trust thing, and I feel like it's the right spot. So I don't mind Kenley at all. I've actually got a couple shares of him. And Presley, I'm kind of like an in-between thing. I, I thought with Presley the whole – or a lot of the offseason, I kept expecting Houston to get somebody else, and they haven't. So he's probably uh, probably fine. It's just not a guy I've really been in on. Yeah, he's locked. he looks locked into that role at this point. Uh, Kinley, I think I remember saying this a year ago. Kinley is not the Kinley Jansen of 2016, 2017. He's not that elite top guy anymore. He's not going at that as his price, but I still think he's really good on a really good team. I, I don't see them yanking him out unless he just absolutely falls apart. And most of the hate that comes at Kinley is more due to what he's done in October than what he's done during the regular season. I mean, his regular season numbers year in and out have been pretty good. He did have yeah. a few more blown saves in 2019 than previous seasons. But, yeah, I I think he's a good pitcher. I think he's going to be just fine. And, yeah, I like him a lot. In terms of, of these top nine, I mean, he's probably my third favorite of in terms of at their price. I'm not saying I'd rank him third, but I don't think he's I fun. feel like – I feel like he would just have to be really bad for yeah. them to just permanently say you're done. Yeah. I don't know. I That's just how I feel about it. I mean, and, you know, like looking at Presley and Hand, I mean, I think that they could do that too. Like mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's – I don't think any of these guys are immune to it, I guess is what I'm going to say. I'm saying. So, um yeah, I'm just I'm comfortable with Kenley for the most part. All right, let's move into the next, I guess, six here. I've got pitchers 10 through 15. Uh, these guys are going between 156 and 192. we got Trevor Rosenthal, the 10th close reliever at 156. Kirby Yates at 163. Alex Colomay at 174. Devin Williams at 175, Craig Kimbrell at 182, and Rafael Montero at 192. If I recall right, isn't he hurt? Do I have uh, that right? Monte- or am I Montero? Getting mixed- yeah, or am I getting it mixed up? I'm thinking of Jonathan Hernandez. Never mind. Yeah, Hernandez is the uh, UCL. I think Montero's fine. Yeah, I had that wrong. Uh, Rosenthal and Yates both signed to new teams this offseason. Which one do you feel more confident being the closer during the whole 2021 season? We got Rosenthal, who's dealt with, you know, more bouts of wildness, and Yates, who had the injury last year. I think, I think I'm pretty confident, really, in uh, in both of them. I, I, um, and this this is where I was going to say, you can't look at the ADPs on these guys because Rosenthal in. Like I said, I've got March 1st on, so 21 NFBC draft and holds. His ADP is 93. Hmm. So above Presley, above Kenley, that group in front. Um, and actually in the draft I'm in now, he went in round five, yeah. which is mind-blowing to me. But 
I mean, wow. that, said, I, he, that said, he's going higher than 156 in every draft now. Like, that's kind of why I brought it up. The latest he's gone in any of these since March 1st is 124. So he's moving up and Kirby Yates, too. Kirby Yates is ADP since March 1st, and that same time period uh, is 123. So they're both moving up. I think they're both pretty likely to uh, to keep the job. I mean – about, you know, Rosenthal could always have about the wildness or whatever, but um, yeah, I think they're both, I think they're both fine. I'm not sure how much I'm really targeting them, but yeah, I think they're fine. I think they're both going to be, or likely to be the closer, at least for a while. You know, this whole offseason while Rosenthal was a free agent, I just kept grabbing him everywhere because I thought the price was cheap enough. He kept like 13th, 14th around. I kept grabbing him. And yeah, that's a st- that's a steal now. It, yeah, it's a steal now. But I will admit that as we were getting close to spring training and he wasn't signed, and then the rumors were starting to happen that the Mets were interested in talking to him. They were talking to him and were interested. I was really nervous. I got yeah. a, I got lucky there. I honestly feel like I got lucky because that could have gone a lot worse for him. Yeah, he went to a good spot. I mean, that's kind of one of those things where you know depending on the team where he went he could have possibly not been the closer and then it just kind of blows up your face but um yeah good spot i mean it's no matter what happens i feel like if you got him in round 12 13 he pretty much got a deal yeah so what are your we've talked about devin williams a little bit but what about investing him in him before a lot of these pitchers who are going into the season as the closer, like a Craig Kimbrell or a Rafael Montero right after him? Who who would you rather have of that group? Would you actually be willing to take Williams ahead of some of those guys? Man, I I feel like the best way I can describe Devin Williams is I like him. I think he's really good and I always think about taking him and I never do. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the way it's been. I I don't know. I just I I feel like every time he's picked he's like he's one of those guys he's in my queue and oh yeah and then I pick somebody else like every time. It's... So I don't really know how I feel about it. It's just kind of like you know I'm not everything I said about Hater, I'm not sure that Devin Williams is going to have the job either. Oh no. So and obviously he's going later, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I mean I like I like Kimbrel a little bit, and I think a lot of it has to do with I just think he has a leash. Like I think he's gonna close, and he was actually quietly really good down the stretch last year. I remember seeing a tweet like his last fifteen or twenty appearances. It was like his earned runs. Maybe it wasn't that many, twelve or something, but. It was zero in every start or every uh, appearance except for one, and it was like two runs in one of them. So he was a lot better than you think, especially if you go back and look at his game log at the end. At least um, I think the general idea is just to think Kimbrel's kind of gone south, which he has from the elite Craig Kimbrel days. But uh, I, I don't mind him as a guy that I, I feel fairly confident in the role. And you know we'll see what happens, but. Um, I think he's going to have more leash to close than most of the guys in the league. You know, circling back to Williams, 
it's a heavy price to pay for a guy who may not get but five saves during the entire season. Um, and the other thing that doesn't get mentioned enough, I don't think, is that he finished the year with a sore shoulder that kept him from pitching in the playoffs. And you just, I mean, with an arm that electric, I can't help but think about that too. I, I wouldn't pay that early of a price for that reason. He could be yeah. the number one closer. He could be a league winner. And that's definitely there. I just, I think the odds of that happening are pretty small still to where, yeah, I'd rather, I, I, I don't want any part of the Brewers closing situation to, because of those two, the prices on both of them. Um, let's see. Anything to add on Montero? Not really. Um, what do you think about Colome and, uh, there's Taylor Rogers on this list down. <laughs> Is he that far? I well, think his 80... I might've missed him when I was going down this list. Cause unfortunately I'm going down NFBC ADP and I, so, you know, they have all the pitchers lumped together, so I could have just missed them on this list. Yeah, so, Colum A since March 1st is at 156, and Taylor Rogers is at 199. So I'm just staying away from them both. Yeah, I think I am too. I, I've actually seen drafts where Colum has gone first, and I've seen drafts where Taylor Rogers got mm-hmm. first since since Colomay went to Minnesota. So I think everybody's kind of guessing and I don't know. I just don't really I just don't really like to guess that much. At least in this spot, you know? Yes. Like I'd rather I'd rather wait a hundred picks and guess on a different closer. Like the diamond you know? situation. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I did in, in this draft. I mean mm-hmm. now I got I got both of those guys, but I got them a lot cheaper, you know? So I think I just, it's, it's too high for me to be, to be guessing on like a 50, 50 thing. It's, I mean, I think that's the theme here. I'm not into the guys that I don't feel confident in the role yet. And yeah, I'd rather if, if the price, I have a feeling, I have a feeling that with Colomay and Rogers, it's going to be one of them. Like it's not going to be both. Yeah. I I think it's going to be one, but, I'm not confident which one, really. Well, I'll, I'll I think say I'd it this lean, way: I'd slightly lean Colome, but I don't feel great about. It. He got blown up the day, like the, one of the first uh, outings he had this this spring, and I don't know. I just I don't feel great about it. I think it's going to be like a two thirds, one third situation, to where neither one of them is getting forty saves. I mean, the last couple of years, Taylor Rogers has been the guy, and they've still. Like Sergio Romo, I had him in a couple of drafting holds last year, and I think he got like four or five saves for me. And I think that happened the previous year with Rodgers to where they, they like mixing and matching and putting guys in and out of there to where I don't think it's going to be like a guy getting 30, 40 saves. I mean, it could be 30 and one get like 10 to 12, and then maybe somebody else on that team picks up three. But, yeah, yeah. I, that's the – I. I, th- I think you're going to get saves from either one of them, but I don't think you're going to get this ridiculously high number. All right. Uh, I got the list of six relievers in the 200s here. Uh, we got Richard Rodriguez with the Pirates at 218. Matt Barnes with Boston at 228. Jordan Hicks at 250. Greg Holland at 289. 
Mark Melanson with the Padres at 291, and Giovanni Gallegos at 291. First question, Hicks at 250 or Gallegos at 291 right now? Um, I think Hicks at 250. Yeah, I've taken Hicks couple times in the last in the in recent draft and holds and drafts i think i'm feeling pretty good at this point that he's going to be their closer i I think i've heard i've heard people close to the cardinals say that it's just not going to be gallegos yeah um it wasn't last year i like gallegos as a pitcher but it just seems like they don't want him to close for whatever reason he's just like always dancing around it but never in the role so um yeah it's nothing against him as a pitcher i just i feel like with hicks i mean the price is close enough that you can just go with the guy you think is gonna are more likely to have the role and i i think hicks is more likely i saw a great tweet from rob silver on twitter just a couple days ago that i shared because hicks had his first um appearance on sunday and he's had a 22 pitch at bat with what's the what was the luis luis uh, Luis Guillorme yes. from the Mets. That 20, was that was crazy. I watched the whole that at bat. It was, it was awesome. Twenty two pitch at bat, and I mean he didn't get the ball three till I think pitch nineteen. Right. He just kept fouling yeah. him off. And Rob Silver's tweet. And Jordan, I think he was at o. I think he was at o two in the first two pitches. Yeah. Yeah. And then twenty two pitch at bat. Incredible at bat. Rob Silver's tweet, in Hicks's two years in the majors, he's thrown 1,169 sinkers. The average velocity of the pitch is just under 101 miles per hour, and he's only gotten 77 swings and misses. 77 out of 1,169 wow. 101 miles per hour pitches. Oh, well, I shouldn't say averaging, I should say. Uh, you know, I find that crazy, to and... It is part of a reason why I don't go nuts with Hicks, but on the same note, I think he's the guy there. I just, it's strange to me. He must not have, it must be a, I mean, it's a sinker, so there's movement, but it must not be moving as much as a lot of other sinkers in this league. But then again, when you can throw 102, that does help. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Richard Rodriguez, I've kind of liked him this whole offseason just for the fact that he's on a terrible team, but he seems like a pretty clear guy for that job. Yeah, I mean, you have to win games to get saves, and I'm not sure the Pirates are going to win any. But <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, he should be the guy. I've got him in a couple dynasty leagues. I'm happy with it. I didn't really spend anything. Who finishes with the most saves? Matt Barnes, Greg Holland, or Mark Melanson? Ooh. Um, man, I like Holland. I like Holland for the first half. Yes. Like, I could see Holland leading the league in saves in the first half. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Just, I think it's going to be him. Um but like Melanson's going to have the whole year, and I'm pretty certain that Holland, if he's any good, will be moved at the deadline, or at least you would think. So, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say Holland, anyways. You know, one. But thing I the- think that Melanson. I mean, Melanson's the most likely to be on that team at the end of the year, and if he runs with it, I mean, he could. 
he could rack up a ton. It's just the question of, is it for sure going to be him? I think he's the favorite, but there's other guys to contend with. Mm -hmm. And if he's not right, I mean, obviously they'll probably throw him to the side pretty quickly, especially with like Pomeranz Pagan. They got a good pen. He's got a short leash. I, in my opinion, if he's going out there and showing that his stuff is diminished. Yeah. I think he's got a really short leash. Yeah. And with the Royals with Holland, I agree with you that their odds are good that he gets traded at mid season. If they're, if, if he's pitching well, but, I also won't rule out the Royals being this surprising team that actually hangs around this year and they don't they decide not to move come July. I I Yeah. I I won't rule it out. I'm not saying I think they're this great team, but I could see them hanging around enough for them to decide to hang on. I just I, I, they've spent this offseason making moves and trying to improve their roster right now and in a league where nobody else is doing that unless you have a contending team and even a lot of contending teams aren't even doing that. The Royals have been out here making little moves here and there all offseason to where, yeah, I, I wouldn't surprise me if Holland, if he's pitching well and he held the job all year. It really wouldn't. Yeah, I think um, Holland's one of those guys for me if you wait on closer – um, I just I think he's a great target, especially like I said for the early part of the year, mm-hmm. and then potent and potentially the whole year. I just feel like the price is right. I've I've been taking him a little higher than this. I think this is like round nineteen, round twenty, and I think he's been moving up a little bit since, um, you know, since I want to say whatever early January or whenever it was that they re-signed him. It might have even been earlier than that, but um, yeah, I just think he's very likely to get saves. And uh, in this range, I mean, some of these guys, they could, but they might not. So I feel good about him. Let's move to the next group. These are guys going in the 300s, uh, 300 to 379 for these eight relievers. we got Archie Bradley at 309, Amir Garrett with the Reds at 313, Hector Neris at 318, Daniel Bard, 321, Stefan Crichton, I don't even know, I haven't. Crichton. Crichton, way off. 329. Jose LeClerc with Texas at 334. Then we got Diego Castillo at 341. Hunter Harvey at 379. I'm just now realizing I missed Nick Anderson up above, too. We never talked about him. So he was somewhere up above. Yeah, Nick Anderson's right in that range with uh, Presley in hand, I want to say. Man, that makes sense. Um, Pulling his ADP. Well, since... Since March 1st, it's at 145, so that would be like round 10. Yeah, right there just ahead of Trevor Rosenthal, basically. Yeah, I got Anderson in a couple early drafts, like round 11, round 12, and uh, haven't taken him since. So, Give you an over-under. I may have asked you this earlier in the offseason. Over-under 20 saves for Nick Anderson. I would take the slight under, like 18, 17, 18. And that's not... But I think he's really good. Yes. Like, really, really good. And I think he's going to get saves. And I think he could over it, but... Tampa. Yeah, you know, Tampa, yeah. <laughs> That's not at all but a like knock he's, on him. To me, he's the argument, or part of the argument, for not taking, like, Karinchak. Mm-hmm. Because it's 40 picks later, and, I mean, I feel like he's pretty much just as good, you know? Devin Williams, kind of, they're all kind of comparable, I guess, so. So okay, back to these guys. Um, yeah, we just skipped past Hunter it. Harvey at three seventy nine. I I realized I missed it. I figured, well, let's get him worked in here right now because Diego Castillo triggered me remembering him. 
Uh, same question as the last group. Who do you think gets the most saves of this group in 2021? Oh, man, it's tough. Um, man, I, I feel like Bradley and Neris are close. Like, I think I lean Bradley between those two, but I'm not confident. Um, hmm. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Bradley, but I don't feel great about it. I think Amir Garrett has a good shot too. I actually almost said him. He's been trending up obviously since they got rid of Iglesias. So all of you guys listening, I want you to take a piece, um, get, grab yourself eight pieces of paper and write all of their names down on one sheet, put them on a wall, grab a dart, put on a blindfold <laughs> and throw it. And that's the, your pick. <laughs> yeah. They, they all feel like it could, they could, they couldn't. I don't think it'll be Crichton because of Soria. Yeah. I don't feel like it'll be um, Castillo because just Tampa and the yes. presence of Anderson and Fairbanks. And there's just too many guys. I, I don't feel like it'll be him, but the rest of the guys um, are all Harvey's and... always hurt. Harvey's hurt again, actually oblique injury. And they're saying he could be out a while. Uh. I didn't even know so, that yet. And Bard, I don't trust. I would say, yeah, either the Phillies guy, which I lean that it's Bradley, but I think I don't think Neris is like completely, you know, sh- should just be thrown to the side. I mean, I think it could be either one. And then Garrett, I think, probably has it in Cincy. So just things to keep tabs on there. But Leclerc too. I don't. I don't really hate Leclerc either if he can run with it because if he can throw strikes. It's a bad team, but yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to the 400s here. We got 400 to 494. Chris Martin with the Braves at 401. Um, And that just made me think of their lefty who's... Will Smith. Will Smith. It's hard. I am telling you, doing (laughs) this is hard for the relievers. Yeah, because they don't sort between the two. Thankfully, I see teammates and it triggers it. Will Smith is right at where Devin Williams is basically for the last month or couple weeks. So 176, and I, I haven't been drafting him. I took I, him in one league and pretty much plugged my nose when I did it. That was this last draft where closers if I so drafted, early. One thing I'll say is if I drafted Will Smith, I would be pretty damn tempted to take the other Atlanta yeah. guys, like at least Chris Martin. Yeah, Chris Winder. I just don't feel comfortable about with it. Chris Winder went stars and scrubs in our auction draft that we talked about. And I thought that was really smart that he grabbed both of them for a combined about 11 bucks. And I yeah. thought that was a good move. I thought that was yeah. a real good move. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, Jordan Romano at four Oh seven for Toronto, Anthony Bass four Oh seven. We got Jake Diekman at four Oh eight, Yimmy Garcia. Then we have Zach Britton, Lucas Sims, Joaquin Soria, Tanner Rainey, Jonathan Hernandez, who we mentioned earlier, is hurt. Brian Garcia, Blake Trinan, and Seth Lugo. That rounds up your 400s here. Uh, Anthony Bass, it sounds like he's been given the, like he's going to be the first guy to go to close for Miami. So I think that's a good grab there. We mentioned Soria. Is there anybody else on here that you think's worth investing in? Yeah, no, I was going to say, uh, I was going to say Bass. 
mm-hmm. because I think that he has it has the job in, or at least it sounds like he does. I mean, obviously it's kind of still a wait and see thing, but his his ADP over that time frame is two sixty three, so it's way Moving up, up from yeah, way up from where it was, kind of in that like Jordan Hicks Holland range. Um, I'd probably take it behind those guys, but not too far, I don't think. Um, and then Soria, way up too. Um, I actually grabbed Soria in the draft. I'm in now in round 20, and his ADP is right about where those guys is too, 256 for the last uh, couple weeks. So, yeah, I think Soria is probably the guy in Arizona. Um, I think he's got a little bit of a leg up on Crichton, but I think it could be either one. I actually grabbed both of them in this draft I'm in now, so I feel like I got Arizona saves locked up. And I only paid like around 20 and around 27 pick for those two. So it felt, felt all right. Um, feel like I got that locked up, hopefully. Um, yeah, Martin's fine. I like, I like handcuffing him to Smith if you're taking Smith. You know, in situations where you can, like a draft and hold or something. Fab League, he's kind of a late round dart, anyways. Um, not really. Most of these guys in this list, I'm not too interested in. I guess if you take Kenley and you're a little nervous about it, Trinan's probably the next guy there. If I had to pick one guy, and then you know, like Romano and Sims, I think are really good. But I don't think that they're the closer right now. So just um, guys that are probably like late inning guys that have a lot of upside. I mean, Lucas Sims, I I saw a a thread on Twitter uh, like Lucas Sims is a god or something like that was the (laughs) account. And yeah, he's he's really good. I mean, he's he was really good last year, especially. And then Romano, too. So they're just behind guys, I feel like right now. But um and then with like Brian Garcia, I just I don't know what to do with Detroit. I, I'm not confident it's anybody. But if you are, I mean, this spot, if you can get even a closer for the Tigers, it's worth it. It's just pegging exactly who that is. I, I have no confidence in it. Yeah, they just signed Roberto Asuna, who we're going to get into in a little bit. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on your grabbing, like if you've taken a Brad Hand or if you've taken it um, Kirby Yates? I kind of like the idea of if you do that, these guys are going late enough to where I'd want to grab the Romano or the Tanner Rainey as like a handcuff. Well, do, you, do you buy into the try, doing that to kind of try to protect in draft and hold leagues? See, in a draft and hold league, maybe. But the other thing is, is you know, in draft and hold leagues, I'm typically drafting six to eight relievers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually probably six or seven. And for you to tie up two of those on one team, you just better be absolutely Mm -hmm. sure that you're getting the saves because, you know, like just hypothetically, if Brad hand went sideways or got hurt and it wasn't Tanner Rainey, then all of a sudden you've got two Washington relievers that aren't closing. And I don't know, it's just kind of, kind of tricky. So, but I, no, I don't hate it. I mean, I think it's fine in that scenario. In a fab league, I probably wouldn't do no. it. it. It's just 
not worth it. I mean, these guys aren't worth enough in leagues with pickups. You know, you can maybe, you know, if you had, if you owned Brad Hand and he was struggling, maybe you jump in a week early on a guy like Tanner Rainey or something but before other guys do, or at least you hope that's the case because, you know, a difference in, oh, and we should probably mention this too, but a difference in like a week of a fab pickup can be the difference between spending two dollars or 250 oh that's so true so yeah i mean and tim mcleod is one of the best in the industry at that like getting them a week early i know they've always talked about that and he's always done really well with it but and it's not just for relievers but i feel like a lot of times um, it can be because you know if, if you see it coming and then uh, kind of get on top of those guys before it happens that's huge i mean it's just it, it drives me nuts when I'm putting in like a hundred and fifty dollar mm-hmm. bid, and I think, man, last week I could have had this guy for a buck. Yeah, just you know, it drives you nuts. So it's just, a maddening uh, part of closures, right? Yeah, and then it's even worse when that guy's bad too, <laughs> and then you've blown you know a bunch of fab on it. So part of the reason, I mean, you could make the argument that's part of the reason to invest in the position, but yeah. All right, let's talk about the the rest of these guys. The five pick guys going after pick five hundred. Not going to list them all. I highlighted a few here. I'm just going to read down the list. We got Brandon Kinsler, Emmanuel Classe, Emilio Pagan, Adam Adovino, Aaron Bummer, Reyes Moronta, Moronta. You you know who I mean with the actually is that Giants. That's Giants? Yeah, uh, Daniel Hudson, Brewstar Gratterall. Jake McGee, uh, your boy Garrett Crochet, Gregory Soto, Kohi Arihara with the Rangers. I think I got that one. I think I nailed that. Yeah, he's he's start. He's a starter though. So oh shoot. Well, never mind then. Forget I. I think he's listed as a a reliever in some spots. I but think he's going to be in there. He's going to be in the rotation. Jeremy Jeffress, who's not even signed. Roberto Asuna, who just signed. Scott Oberg, Sean Doolittle. Andrew Miller, Keone Kila, uh, Sergio Romo, and Ryan Helsley. That was just a list of guys that I, when I went down, I was like, okay, these guys are at least interesting names to me. So take some shots here. Pick two relievers on this list that provide some st- saves this year. I will say Adam Adovino is one. And I'm going to say three. Adam Adovino, Emmanuel Classe in Cleveland, and Jake McGee in San Fran. Is is Jake McGee kind of in it to possibly start the year as the closer? Yeah. That's what I thought I heard. That's what I've been hearing. I mean, I think it's up in the air still, but – yeah, those three, I think, for pure saves is who I would go with. Um, I liked Pagan a lot more before they got Melanson and Keela. I just feel like he's in that mix, you know, where it's a bunch of guys and it's just less likely to be him now than it was. Um, and, man, I tell you, I love Garrett Crochet. That guy is so good. Like, he is so good. It reminds me so much of Josh Hader. Like, mm-hmm. I just think he's awesome, but 
probably unlike, unlikely to get saves too. Yeah, I mean, something would have to happen to Liam Hendricks for him to be even be in the mix for it. But that said, I mean, I think he's easily their best lefty in their pen and probably the guy that's going to be, you know, the seventh, eighth inning guy, whatever you want to call it, setting up. And, man, I, I, I could see him really shooting up um, just even in a middle relief role. You know, you have those guys that are like, really valuable relievers just because of the ratios and K's they're providing. And I, I think he's going to be one of those. I, this spot of the draft, I, I like taking him. You know, the guy I want to bring up is Scott Oberg. I, I think it was two years ago. He was the closer and then he had some blood clot issues at the end of the off season or at the end of the season and was put on the injured list. I think, um, Oh, what's his face? The, Wade Davis was put back in that role and absolutely was terrible. And then going into last year, it looked like he was probably like he was right there with Wade Davis to um, be the closer and then started having some blood clotting issues and then ended up having thoracic outlet surgery, which it can be tough to recover from. But he's only got Daniel Bard there. If I think if he's pitching at a decent level again, I, st- I still really like him. He's one I'd be keeping an eye on, and gra- I'm going to be trying to grab him. And I've I've grabbed him in a few draft and holds. I'll be trying to continue to do so and watching him in Fab Leagues this year as a possible guy. And then the other one, yeah, I like Keela. I He was the closer for the Pirates before getting hurt last year, and I could easily see him coming in there and getting that role. But there are a lot of names, like you said. I liked I was hoping Keela was going to end up somewhere else than San Diego. I mean, it's a good spot for, like, there's a chance, but it's also a, more guys to overcome to get that spot. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Anything else or anybody else you want to cover, touch on here? Um, No, I don't. I, I think that's – I think we've really run, ran down it pretty good. I mean, most of the – I guess other than the ones we forgot. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not your fault. That's mine. I, Um, what I probably need to do next year is actually go look at a rankings. That way I'd, I'd make sure I don't miss anybody. I think that's probably what I need to do is go look at the actual rating. It's tricky with, with, um, how NFPC lists them because they list all the starters and relievers together. That's actually all. Whenever we get to relievers next year, I'm just going to sort it by fan tracks ADP. Because then I can yeah. actually look at it by relievers, make sure I don't make this mistake again. Because I made the same mistake last year. Not as many of them, but I definitely did. All right, fill in the blank. The three closers I'm most likely to draft are blank. Uh, Aroldis Chapman, though I honestly haven't gotten him much. I, it just hasn't. It just hasn't worked out. He's just... I don't know. It's like I'm in the wrong spot in the round or something. But uh, him, Kenley, and you know, like those two guys, I just trust so much. Like I said, I mean, I I just feel like that they're gonna close, and they're on really good teams, obviously. And I will say, Greg Holland. Same first two for me. Jordan Hicks is my third one because I've taken him a lot. Uh. The three closers I'm staying away from the at their ADP are blank. I feel like we could come up with five real quick. Yeah. Oh, let's see. I will say 
Josh Hader, I'm just not I'm just not taking him there. I it's not even that I think he's a total fader that I think it's bad when he's drafted. I just know I'm not taking him there. Um so I'll say him. I will say I'll let you say Diaz because I know you're going to say him. I'll say Karinchek and mm, I don't know if I even have a third. Name yours. I'll come up with it. I was going to pick three. Like I'm like, this is so easy. I'll just pick guys that you don't. I like Hater would have been on my list. Diaz, Iglesias, and I don't feel great about Ryan Presley. Maybe that's not fair, but I just – I don't – I have not been – I've just been kind of passing past him whenever I see him popping up at the top of queues. So those are my three. Yeah, I think – I think um, I know he's a little further down, but I think I'm going to say Matt Barnes. Yeah. I don't really – I just, it's like a combination for me that I don't even know if he's the closer and I don't even feel like he's that good. And I don't know. I Even where he's going in like early 200s, I, I don't – when he goes, I'm just always like, yeah, somebody else is there for me. You know, yep. I just, I know, I'm not really ever thinking about him. Yep, I'm much more likely to take Ottavino, 100, 200, yeah. 300 picks later, and just grab him and possibly. Ottavino's moved up. He's moved up quite a bit, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Andrew, we're done. We are done with <laughs> position previews. It is complete until next January. We do not have to do this again. We don't get to do this again. Whatever you want to say, we're done. Yeah. Yeah, it's feels good just to get some other stuff. I mean, obviously it's been it's been fun, but um kind of ready to do some different shows too. Yeah, at this point now, the 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 other beautiful thing about us being done is we're almost to baseball. We're pretty much 2 weeks away at this point. And yeah. Yeah, it's we got a couple things to do before we get to the season. We always do our season preview. We always do our bold predictions. And I think I want to do, you know, I used to listen a lot when I was more playing more fantasy football to Chris Harris, the Chris Harris Harris football podcast. And he always had a um, episode he did right before the season that he called flag players. And I don't know if I want to just copy that. I'm trying to think of a name, but I want to do something like that where we pick basically our staples maybe it's staples that we are putting getting on a lot of our teams these are the guys that we are the most in on this year maybe do an episode on that just to summarize all of these position previews in the one where we pick our basically favorites sound sound like that yeah. a good idea yeah it sounds good another thing i wanted to mention i should have probably mentioned this at the beginning of the show but um a lot of the reason that we waited on relievers to this point is because if we did this in <laughs> like, let's just say we did it first in uh, early January, there's so much less information, you know, it's like Trevor Rosenthal wasn't on the A's Kirby Yates wasn't on the J's Alex Colome wasn't on the twins. I mean, Iglesias went to the angels. I know that I think that was December, but uh, Brad hand, you know, just, all kinds of guys. Even Liam Hendricks was somewhere in there in December, January. Um, so many other ones, you know. And, and like I said, you just have no clue. Like in those early drafts, uh, I feel like almost everybody should just be kind of punting closer other than the, Ch- the Chapmans and the 
you know, the top guys like Liam Chapman, whatever you want to call it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot harder that early in the off season to kind of peg who's going to be closing. And then as you get closer, closer to the year, the, the, um, it kind of comes into focus. So I think it's good that we did this one right at the end because just more to talk about than there was at the beginning. Yeah, I just randomly picked a position from our early previews, and I I went to first base, and I just started scrolling down to make my points. There are so many free agents in January when we start doing these position previews, and like in first base, I I scrolled down and I got to Carlos Santana. I don't I actually he had just signed. CJ Cron was another one. To where most of those guys, you you kind of know what their role is going to be once they sign somewhere. They're going to be a starter. They're going to be Crone's going to be a back right, starter somewhere right. to where that that's not going to drastically affect their fantasy value. Near it's too as cru- much. It's, yeah, it's too crucial with relievers like the role. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing I mean, I feel like every time we do this relievers should be the last one yep. for that reason, because. You know, the roles just come more into focus as you as you move through the offseason, obviously. Very true. All right. Well, we'll be back soon. We'll probably get you a staple player podcast sometime next week. And until then, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 